Mark, I'd like to go into the infinity of thoughts. Would you like to join me? Sweet, let's do that. That uh, are we talking about Emperor and the Nightside Eclipse on the Requiem Metal Podcast with Mark Rudolph and Jason Hundy? Uh, we are. And awesome. Actually, uh, I'm uh, Jason, and I'm Mark. Oh my gosh, it's nice to meet you here. Yeah. In the infinity. Of oh, I'm thoughts. also a Black Wizards. Ah, yes. And uh, if you haven't been to the uh, or gotten the keys, the cosmic keys to the creation and times, uh, you know. Well, once you get the keys, you get to go to beyond the uh, great, great vast, vast forest, forest so, yeah. you know. in a satana. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's too tempting. <laughs> too tempting to go. See there. if you can talk in emperor <laughs> song titles all day. Yeah. And annoy your coworkers. Um, we're back with uh, what feels like another yet another deja vu moment that I'm having in my life, which is yeah. our second time recording emperors in the nightside eclipse hall of fame episode just like the second time we recorded disrupt unrest and uh, various other uh activities. yeah i think we, we pretty much hit all of our initial points that we yeah. did last time yeah. so yeah, we just probably more streamlined more efficient and actually i think we did them in opposite order did we i think we didn't we start no with? we ended with this both times okay so we always end with a loopy black metal atmospheric uh crazy Sweet. record so but um yeah into the infinity thoughts uh which you just heard uh, opens the, the the very notorious and and uh, rightfully so uh, in the Nightside Eclipse. Um, probably um, out of the second wave of black metal, it's probably like number two or three on my list. Yeah, it's up there for me. I mean, I've always I've always been probably more in the. I mean, not that you're not a huge Emperor fan, but I've I've probably been. Whereas you've probably maybe carried the flag more for like immortal or satyricon, I've I've maybe carried the flag. A well, little I carry the flag for Dark Throne. I carry oh, yeah, the black go. flag for yeah, Dark the Throne. Bla- <laughs> there you go. Sorry, that was that was <laughs> I was like a lob, and he just hit that right out. My bad. But uh, yeah, yeah. So Emperor Emperor might be yeah, this might be number two, number one for me. It just mm-hmm. depends. Um, I know, if we're talking like kind of classic, important second wave mm-hmm. records like Enslaved Frost, this. Yeah, it's well. F- personally, I don't know about if it's necessarily importance, but number one is Blazing Around the Sky for yeah. sure. Two is probably Pure Holocaust, and three is Nightside Eclipse. And see, f- for me, and this is the odd part, and I, I think I've told you this before. In fact, maybe on recording before, before it could have been. Uh, this was the first black metal record that I ever heard. And oh, in its entirety, or was it, it on in a- its entirety? And because what happened is. Um, you know, I I've told this story before, obviously many times about you know going into New Moon and meeting Chris and ordering Tiamat, uh, Wild Honey, and then Tales from Thousand Lakes, Amorphous, mm-hmm. and then kind of you know, oh man, somebody else in town that listens to this kind of stuff, and you know, Chris Chris really kind of dug showing people you know new stuff, and so mm-hmm. I remember going over to his apartment. He was an and, enabler. Yeah, he was. He was good. <laughs> he was a he was a good drug dealer, uh, peddler of metal, and he. I got into a conversation where I remember I had started reading in Metal Maniacs or whatever I was had my hands on at that point about you know what this whole black metal thing and I remember I kind of asking him like what the difference between black metal and death metal was because at this point I was so you know one green, word green, Satan green around the edges well you know he he actually gave it to me pretty well you know he talked about the drumming style difference and the the high vocal pitch stuff that you hear production differences the, and stuff yeah yeah some of the 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 riffing you know versus sort of the more down tune kind mm-hmm. of stuff that death metal did but you know he gave me this record to borrow to record and this was the first black metal record like i heard and i had it on cassette tape and so i'd listen to it. i was mowing lawns and doing stuff like that <laughs> sure so, actually it probably goes pretty good with the the, I, the, mur, the, the whir does, of a it, it lawnmower does. 
we've been having some stereo issues at uh, in my house, and it puts like this uh, high gain on all the. the it's like extra stuff. cold. Yeah. And so we were we were listening to this record, which is supposed to be kind of more of a beautiful atmospheric record, and it had uh, yeah extra cult button. You know. Yeah, basically put on. Kind of fun. It sounded like yeah, the recorded, uh, the dubbed cassette tape version you've listened to in your car forty times. I think we could sell that thing on eBay and make some serious <laughs> cash, some yeah. serious street cred. This is the original recording of uh, Emperors in the Night Side Eclipse where they polished it, but it this this record, you know. So I, I have fond memories of it, and, and songs like I Am the Black Wizards and Anna Satana, which I'm sure you know almost every you know kind of metalhead of the last 10, 15 years is pretty familiar with. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, those songs still hold a, a pretty special spot in me because it, that was sort of like me almost becoming aware of an entire genre of music that ne- it hadn't existed. Yeah. And see, I hadn't heard of Blaze in the Northern Sky until a couple of years after that. Okay. You know, so those records don't mean as much. I mean, I still love those records, but they don't have the emotional connection for me that, yeah. the, you know, whereas like you well, and Chris, When we first heard, yeah, because we we'd heard uh, Soul Side Journey. We're like this is pretty cool stuff, and then we heard Blazing Under the Sky, and we're like, that was the first. That was like when I first heard uh, both for uh, World Leader, and I was like, it changed. Wow, what is this? Yeah, Roma Chaos. Yeah. So, so and and so, I, I that's probably why I'd have to put this record as number one for me in in terms of that kind of impact. You know, it might not even be my favorite. Well, it's I think it's my favorite Emperor record. It, it is. Anthems is great, but this is like this has the rawness that I really am yeah. attracted to in black metal. Yeah, I know what you're saying. I, I think I probably pulled maybe Anthems out more just because this record is almost like a permanent like stamped memory for me. Mm-hmm. You know, like I don't oh, yeah. need, I don't need to listen to like I am the Black Wizards because I I can like play it in my head almost. <laughs> yeah. You know. Uh, whereas like I might want to hear a specific song, and so I'll pull like you know one of the the newer emperors out just to hear like a specific song, mm-hmm. you know, like Lost and Curse of Reverence or something like that, but. Yeah, it's uh, you know, it's definitely it holds up on all kind of fashions and Oh, actually I need to move this to number 4. Oh, okay. Be mysterious. Be mysterious. Yeah. I know you we had that debate lately where we I would I would probably back s- and, Yeah, actually probably Be mysterious is probably number 1. Yeah. I think now. I now that I got my record player working, I got uh, you gotta pull out that 180 gram on, on vinyl. Yeah, and then get get back into it. I, I think I was and actually so, Burzum lately too. Even though I don't, oh, philosophize. I've been putting on a lot lately. Yeah, I, I don't agree with the guy's politics or whatever no, they've a, been misconstrued as. But uh, he's put out some pretty interesting music. Yeah. So I, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna move my rankings right now. I, you know, <laughs> things come in phases. You know, I kind of go in and out of like wanting to hear stuff that's like more, I guess, uh, bombastic, uh, like mm-hmm. like Emperor or or more, you know, grim, you know, or stripped down kind of stuff and. This definitely toes the line between the two, and that's, I think, what makes it kind of a magical record. What's the first uh, like use of a lot of keyboards that I got into? And I, I could kind of, it was such a cohesive use, usage of keyboards where it's not. I think if they would have had their druthers and would have had it produced exactly how they wanted, the keyboards probably would have been higher in the mix. And I kind of like that they're they're kind of buried in a little bit of like distortion and kind stuff of muddy too. in some ways but they're yeah. there you know but i think they're used more elegantly than say uh on the first satiricon record or even like we're well, uh, kind of awkwardly there you know or just kind of like almost separate from the music not blended in as yeah well. and they're not obviously whoever's playing them is not very <laughs> very apt <laughs> yeah yeah you know, and there's there's only a few people that really use keyboards very well in black metal. You know, Sphered for Mark Turris, and, and I think Sphered did uh, the keyboards for the Viking Ligger from Enslaved. Yeah, he did. Um, you know, so he's 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 probably tops for me in terms of like my favorite black metal keyboardist, but certainly. Uh, well, Enslaved was almost a little bit more 
avant-garde-ish. Yeah. It wasn't as, like, you know, classical as Emperor yeah. was with the approach. Yep. Um, but for sure, this this record's considered to be, I, I guess, I, the, the birth of uh, symphonic black metal, in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, at least the first... The first band that I think went in with the idea of creating symphonic black metal, not just like happy accident, kind of yeah, like, yeah. you know, you hear some of the early Thorns stuff that we did on that Thorns uh, episode, and he was kind of experimenting with it, but I don't think his intention was like, oh, I want to make a symphonic black metal, you know, sound no. or something. Yeah. It was like, oh, this would be a neat little effect to put in or something, but... Um, and into the infinity of thoughts, you know, you can hear all the things that that make this record, you know, what it is. You know, the the epic atmosphere, uh, the the kind of famous Isan screams, you know, which are they're high register, but they're not as like shrilly as like say what Burzum or Dead were doing or anything. God, they're, I mean, they're look just at, sort of like you know, like listen to like Chainsaw Guts, fuck, and how like <laughs> over the top the oh vocals are, you know? Yeah, this stuff is pretty, uh, and even like the way that. The way that Burzum sang was, it was unique, you know. But it was, it would peel the paint. Yeah, I think that back in the day it was like too, it was too much for me to really like get into. And now it's kind of like, I don't know. I've warmed up to that stuff because it doesn't threaten me in the same way it did when I was like sixteen or seventeen, where I, I no. had like, you know, <laughs> it doesn't like really confront you as yeah, much as it did back then. Because I, I kind of know who I am, and I'm not like I'm not gonna listen to some ass clown like Burzum and be like, oh, I'm gonna change my politics <laughs> and you know, join the neo Nazis and whatever else but the the record was recorded in 93 um and it was delayed until it wasn't released until two years later and the thing and and there's reasons for that obviously the the namely um you know the members of emperor we should say isan uh who is the lead guitar player and he's doing the keyboards and vocals okay what's his real name uh oh my gosh i've interviewed the guy twice and i can't remember is it like i I don't even know (laughs) doesn't matter Thomas, we'll go with Thomas. No, okay. Just kidding. <laughs> it's, it's like Ted, like yeah. Nocturne Occult. Yeah. Though. Uh, <laughs> then you got Samoth and guitar, short on bass, but um, short joined right before they went into the studio to record this. Correct, because Mortise had just quit or had been fired. Actually, I think Isan uh, did all the bass on the record. Does he? I, I think he was just he joined the, after the fact. Okay. So it's one of those kind of deals. Yeah. Um, and then we got Faust. And we got good old Faust. Yeah. And who's uh, kind of a I don't know if if he's really undervalued or uh, he's not really touted as being a great drummer. But as far as like as far as like Blackman went at this time, that kind of speed, he was pretty much tops. Him and uh, Trim from Enslaved were both Hellhammer. But yeah, well, I mean that goes without <laughs> saying. But I'm just I'm thinking of like young like unappreciated yeah, like, drummers. You know, Fenrez is he's more of a personality and a, a I guess he has the vision of the band. He's not I wouldn't say he's a great drummer, but no. he's a he, he plays with feeling and he, he, works, he gets, he gets yeah. what he what he needs to. I, I was going to say he he's perfect for what Dark Throne wants, mm-hmm. you know. But the the reason the move the 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 album was delayed was obviously Faust was in prison and as was Samoth for a while. Samoth, so you know, in a weird way, I don't know. What, what's your thoughts? Do you think that the the delay helped them in a way you, that it kind of like built up almost like this. Like people were waiting for almost two years for this record that they knew well, we had, was sort of floating around out there. Yeah, we had that Wrath of the Tyrant seven inch. I think it was. Was that what it was? Uh, it seven inch. Um, well, you had Hordanus Land, obviously the four songs from Hordanus Land, and then. But I think after that, a seven inch came out as was well. There? Okay, that had um, oh man, what was that called now? Well, I know the originals for Cosmic Keys and I Am the Black Wizard were on the Hordanus Land. They're a little more lo-fi. Yeah, and I almost want to think stuff. there's. 
Uh, if I find, I'll put it in the show notes if I can think of it. I'm almost positive there was another seven inch that came out between that and the and the recording of this. It kind of whetted the appetite a little bit. Did it got everybody super stoked? Yeah, and I think I think you know I don't I can't really think of a lot of big black metal records that were put out in '95. You know, like I mean, you almost think of like '91 through like '94 as kind of like that huge stage, and by like '95, I mean Burzum was in prison. You know, Euronymous was dead. You know, like. It well, was like Pennsylvania a, Hunger was out at this point. Was that 94, though? I think it was. That was 90, a 94, yeah. Yeah. And so, so it has already come out. And I was going to say, I, I can't, you know, and so, like, to me, it, if this record put, is put out in, like, late 93, early 94, it probably gets, like, lost in a glut of, of black metal records that were starting to come out that time. Whereas, yeah. like, coming out in 95, it's sort of fresh. It's been building this momentum. The expectations are kind of waiting for it. It's I got the it, controversy, yeah. as the Brits call it, behind it. Yeah, so, uh, the controversy. Try to get it to your anonymous, you know? Yeah. But it, I don't know. I, I don't know if that had something to do with it. I mean, you were there when this when this record was coming out, whereas like, I was kind of a latecomer to this whole thing, so I don't, I don't really know what the exact impact when this came out was, you know? But, uh, I, I, from what I can remember, I think it was it was it was large, but it wasn't. Uh, I think if yeah, if, if it would have came out a couple years ago or a couple years previously, probably would have been buried. Yeah, and it so it's probably a good thing that uh, the Faust killed the dude and same moth uh, was implicated in something else. Yeah, it's just <laughs> kind of an odd statement to make, but on some level, for for Emperor as a career move, uh, yeah, it kind of worked, I guess. But uh, you know, the things that you'll hear uh, throughout well, the mysterious record, didn't that did that come out in 90? 94, 95 it was finally released yeah. I think you know obviously post you know posthumous post-mortem post <laughs> post-mortem I just think of Tom Ray on yeah. Decade of Aggression um anyways uh you see a guy fall down help him up alright that's what we're here to do <laughs> help each other out there's a little song called Wah! sorry uh, so I lost my train of thought completely. Yeah, I could do a whole uh, interpretive <laughs> reading. Maybe that's how we approach the Slayer show. We've been flirting with that yeah. one for a while. How do we uh, I said, fuck the pen. <laughs> Mightier than sword. That's right. You know, it's funny. Uh, I was just telling my students last week where that saying comes from. It's you just tell from Slayer? No, uh, I should have. I should have. It's uh, the Ottoman Empire. Uh, they, they had four social classes, and it was men of the pen were first, then men of the sword were second. And that's where the pen is mightier than the sword. Ah, so it wasn't literally yeah. okay. So kind of cool, but or, yeah. or kind of I'll just say it's depending on when, <laughs> how you want to learn that one. But anyways, let's uh, we'll we'll get into some music here, and then we'll talk more about the record. Obviously, uh, we got a trio of tunes here. We're going to kind of play them in order as uh, they would appear. Burning Shadows of Silence, Cosmic Keys of My Creation and Times, and then we're going to close things out with Beyond the Great Vast Forest and. Uh, I guess I'll, we'll talk more about the songs when we come back, but all I can say about the, the first tune you'll hear here, it's got a very much a, a kind of a Lord of the Rings eeriness, and we'll, we'll talk about the cover and, and some of the stuff mm-hmm. uh, when we come back. But uh, definitely kind of invokes the, the evil power of nature, which is, I guess, a, a common theme for this whole record, and, and kind of a common theme for a lot of black metal, but this, because of the atmospherics, kind of pulls some of that in a little bit, yeah. too. But Anyways, enjoy... Uh, Burning Shadows of Silence.
beyond the great vast forest, cosmic keys to my creation in times, and the burning shadows of silence. Nice yeah. little trio of tunes there. Do uh, you have any particular favorites out of those? I mean, I know Cosmic Keys. Cosmic kind Keys of is kind of the the biggie, I think. There, it's kind of that kind of classic opening riff, uh, kind of a Bathory riff with like kind of an ascending keyboard. That's just yeah. It's it's a very cool. You know, every time I hear it, I like it takes me to like a a very different place. You know. Well, and there's um, if you read in Precious Metal, I think that's yeah, Precious Metals. Well, there's yeah, there's the uh, Nightside Eclipse um, right up in there as well, but there's also the Transylvania Hunger one, and oh, okay. Fenris actually breaks down the different styles of riffing, which I, I thought was really interesting yeah. of the Norwegian school, where the the way he was playing was single string stuff on, on Transylvania Hunger, but the way like Bathory and Emperor and Immortal were playing in uh, Mayhem were playing like chords really fast, op- everything opened. Oh, okay. And uh, that's I think that's kind of that Bathory sound. Yeah. There was all chords played opened really sure. fast. Yeah, and in a weird way, I think they are probably the truest. I, I mean, I don't know. I wouldn't say the truest, but they definitely are so connected to Bathory, especially the later era Bathory. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas maybe Dark Throne, their roots lie with those first couple Bathory records more. You know, than say oh, like so. you know, I mean, not so much like um, Bloodfire Death. Bloodfire mm-hmm. Death is like Emperor, you know, yeah. to a nutshell because yeah. of the keyboards and the. Well, then Twilight of the Gods, and, even like you yeah, know, Hammerheart and some of that kind of. stuff. They almost you know? Emperor actually follows almost the same trajectory as Bathory did in their career. Really, yeah, yeah, in a way, they start off really uh, kind of well, not totally raw, but definitely with a rawness to them, and then mm-hmm. pretty refined pretty quickly, you know. Well, yeah, and that, also in that last talks that we were talking about, that 7-inch was As the Shadows Rise, yeah, 1994 on Nocturnal Art Productions. Which is, uh, that's Samuel's label, yep. right? Nocturnal Arts. And had, what was it, had Ancient Queen, and what was the other track? <sighs> there was a couple on there, and there I, might I be can't three. remember. There was, but yeah, Ancient was Queen songs, is pretty like, rocking. Which is Sabbath, uh, Ancient Queen, and... Uh, it's all on the Wrath of the Tyrant yeah. CD that came out as well. But that kind of whet the appetite for a lot of people, I yeah. think, yeah. You know, but yeah, definitely, you know, Cosmic Keys in my creation in times, which, you know, that Nine Black Wizards I had mentioned before had already been, you know, produced on uh, the Hordanus Land EP with Enslave back in 92, you know, definitely more lo-fi, you know, grimmer, mm-hmm. you know, kind of stuff uh, back on those versions. But again, those songs have been floating around for a while. And so they were kind of part of the, the metal pantheon or the black metal pantheon oh, yeah. in terms of, you know, classic tune. Well, I think as far as the opening of I'm the Black Wizards, I think I like the... Uh the one off the Hordanus land, a little yeah, bit better. A little more, just little. because as the second guitar comes in, it sounds like somebody turns on an electric yeah. razor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, uh, pretty grim stuff. I mean, that's that's the weird part about you know black metal is is there's times when I'm in a mood for some of the more polished stuff like uh, the you know Nine Equilibrium or uh, Prometheus kind of stuff, and then there's other times where I just I want the Nate's magical, yeah, just transforming, yeah, bring it yeah. on, you know, and and so. It's it's really a mood setting sort of thing, and uh, I know you you tend to like side more on the the unpolished stuff because it has a more organic nature to it, you know. And I yeah, as I get older, I think I listen to more of that kind of stuff than I do maybe the more well the polished, polished stuff. As far as the polished stuff is concerned, I pro I go Emperor's the go to for yeah. that. I mean, I rarely pull out a Demo Borger record anymore. Even going back and listen listening to um, Enthrone Enthrone, I'm like, you know, it's good, but it's. It there's doesn't like, like grab me like this stuff does. There's like two songs I like a lot off in Throne, and the rest I, I really don't ever I think listen to. Like you know? this and uh, a lot of the Dark Throne and uh, Immortal came out like really pivotal times in my life too. So I'm always more drawn to yeah. that stuff. I yeah. think. Yeah. 
and and I mean I've already talked about how important this record was you know for for me in terms of my developments and stuff um I mentioned that Bernie Shadows of Silence which we opened that last setup with had it's kind of a, a Lord of the Rings kind of you know atmosphere and and kind of nature and and all these sort of things the Pre-Peter sort of, Jackson Lord of the Rings Yeah exactly the, these kind of storm of keyboards the you know I very you know um Wagnerisms Wagner yeah exactly you know the the pompous bombastic kind of thing going on and we haven't mentioned the cover, which is pretty iconic as well. Um, another in the long line of Kristen Wallen Necrolord himself covers. Yeah, um, you know the purple tones, kind of different. You know, but it, well, and it was actually supposed to be more blue. Yeah, it's and actually the uh, the LP is more blue. More, yeah, and that's that's more the original, the original color scheme, I think. And I, I really like the cover. I think it holds up well, except. The goblins. The orcs. Yeah. Like, if you would close in, um, like, crop in just past the trees, so you get the, you know, you get, like, the black rider and a little bit of the spires of that castle. I think it'd be a little, little classic. I mean, but it, it, I like it like I like um, Death Spiritual Healing's cover. Yeah. You know, it's just like, I, I can't imagine anything different. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't want, you know, an immortal, just a picture of three dudes on the front or whatever. Well, and this is like, this is the kind of cover that, you know, every time I pull it out, I, I find something new on it. You know, well, and for like years, I never noticed the rider. Yeah. Because he almost blends in with the clouds. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. he, it was cool. I mean, for at least the first, like, three or two records and EPs, he was kind of like a, a fixture mm-hmm. and slowly kind of, you know, kind of got fade, out. but Faded out, but... But like him, along with, like, the dissection, you know, Grim Reaper guy. Mm-hmm. I, I, it, it's like an Eddie, yeah. you know, for black metal. Yeah, I had never really even thought about that, but, you know, certainly it's on the cover of the Hordanus land and mm-hmm. different things as well, but... You know the the early black metal stuff, especially um, the the stuff that that tended to have more atmosphere and, and keyboard kind of stuff working for it, really did kind of tie in with some of the more kind of nature, violent nature kind of themes that that Tolkien explored in the in the novels, mm-hmm. The Lord of the Rings. You know, I don't know if that was explored as heavily in, in Peter Jackson's adaptations, but well, even you know, when you bring it up, it, it's kind of laughable to a lot of people to associate evil with Lord of the Rings, like in a serious yeah. tone. And granted, these were, you know, 17, 18-year-old, 20-year-old kids at the time, but still. Sure. You know, and, and so I... I, I you know, I don't know. There's something encapsulated in the music that also like lends itself to that that sort of na- you know violent like nature thing. And Immortal certainly tapped into that a lot with with oh, some yeah. of the lyrical content that they did. And um, you know, Dark Throne a little bit, but but more I, I always associated more mostly with like Emperor and Bathory and. I was the Dark Throne's always uh, thought it was more of psychological lyrics sure. than anything. Yeah. yeah. And nihilistic uh, lyrics, and you hear that in the in the songs as well. You know, like like I said, I I, I kind of get that that kind of thing working. Um, the uh, the last tune we just heard though, beyond the great vast forest, I want to make mention of one thing that you and I kind of talked about. Uh, besides nature being like a big theme, but this is sort of a, a merciful fate riff, kind of played at the wrong speed, is what you and I kind of mm-hmm. came up with. Uh, very pronounced use of keyboards. Um, this and Cosmic Keys are really amping up the the use of keyboards. It's might be the most in your face that you hear the keyboards besides in a Satana, which sort of you know yeah, is keyboards all over the place. You know, um, but Merciful Fate was another big, I think, influence uh, for especially for Emperor. I mean, they were mm-hmm. on black metal in some ways thematically, just because of the the Satanism kind of stuff. Yeah, but, well, and, and even, like, the catchiness of stuff, some of the, the riffing, but, uh, yeah, they were much, I think, they were Merciful Fate and King Diamond are much more 
in the heavy metal genre. Well, and I think, you know, Isan, if, if you kind of follow what, with Emperor's career, I mean, Isan, I think, always wanted to be that sort of, you know, he wanted those guitar theatrics. He just Andy didn't and the, know how to play them at this point. I mean, yeah. he's, he's too young and he's too unpolished. And so he buries some of the guitar stuff in, in so much other layers and, and different things. But, you know, certainly by the, the, the next record, by Anthems, you know, you start to hear mm-hmm. hints of his guitar virtuosoness. And then, yeah, obviously. And then it becomes all pinch harmonics. Yeah, he gets, he's a pinch <laughs> harmonic master. But, you know, so I just wanted to mention that because also vocally, obviously, you know, King Diamond was a huge influence on, mm-hmm. on all black metal, but especially Isan. And they did the great cover of Gypsy, you know, which is yeah. a bonus track uh, now on In the Night Side and stuff. But, you know, so it's all there. But. Anyways, uh, I don't want to bemoan the point too much, but uh, um, this next trio of tunes is, is, has one of my favorite transitions probably ever on a on a black metal CD when you move from the majesty of the night sky into I Am Black Wizards. And With the explosion? The, the cannon explosion. <laughs> and uh, and plus, you this is probably the song, um, Majesty of the Night Sky, where you hear him doing his most like guitar line theatric yeah. kind of stuff right at the end of the song. He's trying to... You know, show off his chops, but it's kind of in a sloppy night. I think it's endearing though that way. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. It's, it's very cool. But uh, we're gonna start off with "Towards the Pantheon," which is uh, to me like this was the most forward-thinking of the songs on this. I, I I feel like it might be the last song that they wrote like in the studio because it sounds the most like what anthems is gonna kind of start to sound like. Yeah. Uh, it's more layered. It's more kind of got classical elements. It seems like it, um, when I listen to it, I, I get a, like a loss and curse of reverence kind of feel or, or this feeling of like, there's so much kind of happening that like my heads are kind of, my head's kind of in the clouds, probably like how you're feeling right now with like cold medicine. Like <laughs> it, it, it's like all surrounding you, but in, like you can hear all the different musical things happening, but it's hard to like individualize them because they're like flowing together so well Mm -hmm. it's it's a weird feeling Uh, very hypnotic keyboard use Um, it's cool and and the keyboards are weird because they almost this is probably the most separate that they are in the whole record from the music itself and so you get like this intensity on one side and then you get the hypnotic keyboards kind of working on another side and it's a it's a it's a neat song and it's weird because for so many years i think i i listen almost exclusively to three or four songs of this record Mm -hmm. or if i listened to it i certainly didn't pay attention to which song was playing when it was just sort of there it's in the background and now when you you know we have to sit down and like pull pieces of this record apart in order to like talk about it from a hall of fame perspective i kind of you know, discover things that I never really knew were there or what I was looking for. And this is one of those sort of, uh, those little nice surprises as they say. Yes. And, uh, and then of course the aforementioned majesty of the night sky, which has a really pretty cool ending. So do we uh, have, do we know the definitive origins of the thunder drum? Uh, I do not know. <laughs> I, it could be, uh, I wonder if it's one of those weird like studio sound effects, or if it's like one of those organic things that like uh, I'm not sure. I mean, because Judas Priest used when they dropped all the silverware to make like the the metal gods. Well, like, it became kind of like a a staple later on. I mean, Mayhem used it a lot. Uh, Immortal used it occasionally. Dark Throne Satyricon. used it. Satyricon used yeah. it. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I always like the Thunder Drum. Uh, Nobody ever talks about it. 
I, I want to see a sidebar column in you know, some magazine I, about heard, that. You know where I, you know where I hear it. Uh, I've heard it in a couple of old Dawkins songs. So many nah, ex- nah, nah. exploding <laughs> guitars and, and different. Well, not the actual explosion, but just where they. Uh, it's almost like they they crank up the volume on a on a drum hit. Oh, uh, okay. I as as they're playing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like a full know, thunder. Hellhammer did it on uh, on obviously Mayhem and some of the Arcturus stuff as well. Yeah, he's probably the biggest proponent. Actually, Nick Barker and Cradle or. Not in Cradle, but in Demo did it. Yeah, as well. he did it quite a bit. Yeah, I don't know. We'll have to explore the origin. If any listeners out there know the origin of the Thunderdrum. You know, it's probably weird. It's probably some like, you know, probably Snorri did it or something like that. He's, I wouldn't be surprised. He that seems to have done like everything, but never yeah. really got any credit. So, but, uh, and then we have the aforementioned I Am Black Wizards. And we'll, we'll talk a little more about why that song's so gosh darn important. But, um, enjoy Toward the Pantheon, The Majesty of the Night Sky, and, uh, I Am. Plural.
I am the Black Wizards, Majesty of the Night Sky, and Toward the Pantheon. Yes. What uh, What are your thoughts on I Am Black Wizards? I mean, it's one of my favorite Emperor songs. It certainly is. It pretty much, uh, I don't know, it sums up everything I like about Black Metal in one song. Yeah. Like if, I mean, almost better than anybody else. If I need to play like, okay, what's Black Metal? That's the Black Wizards. Yeah. I think it is the best breakdown ever in Black Metal. Yeah, it's the right best. up there. I mean, yeah. like just because it's, I mean, you know, Dark Throne is the like the the best at having those sort of groove kind of motorhead kind of breakdown type. Well, things. Dark Throne, you know, they kind of like uh, they work on monotony. Yeah, it's not on catchiness necessarily. Yeah. When you do the, get the catchiness, like all right, but for the most part, it's monotony. Well, and, just and, like Burzum. And I think what's interesting about this is it goes. It's not so much just like dropping into like a, a monotonous sort of groove riff or something like that, yeah. which is what. But it's it's literally like kind of a, a break. Like a literal breakdown, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it goes from just Anthrax would be proud. Yeah, they, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's it's such a sh- abrupt kind of you know shift that that happens that it really catches your attention. I think it might be the best integration of keyboards on the whole record. Yeah, in terms of just seamless. I, well, throughout. I think it's probably the best song they ever wrote. Yeah, probably. It's probably like their iconic next to Inanasatana, which yeah. is more of an anthem. This is more of like their. Uh, it's like their their signature song, I think. It's like their uh, pull the plug, or zombie yeah. ritual, or something like that. It's just like a the song you have to have, or, or maybe even their like well, their well, rainy one they or something ever, like yeah, that. Yeah, one if they not played it live. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's it's certainly to me uh, has all the, the the catchy elements. Some of the you can start to hear some of the technical prowess, mm-hmm. but it's also got like the the organic kind of you know. Naivete in yeah, it as well. It's it's all there. It's cool too. It's got a great title. Yeah, and uh, man, see the night sky, which uh, blew into that. You know, that was the one that we were talking about. Has the the great explosion, explosion at, at the end. end and stuff. But also some cool things. Which you know, Kiss kind of brought to prominence with the live records. Yeah, there you, you know, go. it all comes back. So maybe maybe it is Kiss. You know, maybe that <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's what will prompt us. The other thing that was cool on that tune is uh, some of the the drumming stuff that Faust is doing. Really like odd like drumming kind of time signature stuff at the end of uh uh majesty of the night sky before isan starts doing some of those like weird scales before the yeah. whole explosion happens well, i think i don't know if this is the first record necessarily but i think it's the first where it's really uh pronounced is doing the doing the blast and accenting it with uh, splash symbols mm. and because like what you can't really do rolls at that speed it doesn't sound right so yeah. just doing and actually then uh trim went on to really trim was like the the master of it of the splash i mean he had like 40 splash symbols on his thing sure. just to accent everything with how fast he was going all the time well, like what i used to do with anthems and i think the reason why anthems is so tight within the night side is anthems to me was like almost the first album that made sense to me on headphones mm-hmm. like like I'd always listen to stuff on like Walkman and stuff like that, but I, f- I feel like that record didn't make any sense until you sat down, closed your eyes, and like sift it through the chaos and found all these genius moments, like all the little like symbol work that Trim was doing on mm-hmm. anthems and and so there's like that. Well, part. what did it for me was the uh, the video that accompanied the um, Lost and Curse Lost of Reverence. Reverence. Yeah, when I saw Trim's like feet on the on the oh, kick pedals, gosh. I was like. Wow. Well, that's not the, that's not the only thing uh, about that video. Well, on the shoulder pads on Isan are sweet. <laughs> well, well, not only well with Isan is there's a part that's it's so buried in the mix until you actually watch him playing the guitar solo. Yeah, and he looks like you know Eddie Van Halen. Well, he looks like, like Shane Embury playing you're like, bass. You're live. like, what the hell is he you playing? Know? And then you start to actually hear the notes. You're like, holy crap! I mean, there's some yeah. 
awesome stuff happening, but you can barely hear it. So, yeah, that could be like one of the first black metal videos. Yeah, at least yeah. the one that like I watched it probably forty times when I first. Did that come it. out before Mother North? Right around the same time, wasn't it? No, that came out in like '96, didn't it? I'm guessing. Well, at least by the time we got it. Okay, I feel like the Satyricon video was what '96 too, or it was was possibly. But it was, it was European only. So it was oh, like a okay. PAL VHS, so I don't think we saw it for a, a little while. It actually, it made it onto one of those Nuclear Blast sampler VHS tapes. But it wasn't the one with boobs in it, so we yeah. weren't as interested. Sadly. Yeah. Teenagers across America were just... I, I think Lost and Curse of Reverence is a more interesting video. Oh, it was cool. Yeah. 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 And it's I mean, like a cool black metal uniform. Well, and plus, it was, it, uh, just like as the shadows rise, uh, it kind of whet the appetite for anthems because you mm-hmm. saw the video on the, the Reverence EP, you know, which came out probably two or three months before. I, yeah, and there's a tiny little quick time yeah. window. <laughs> oh, that sucked. That was, and it's you like, used to get oh. so excited about it. Like, oh, yeah. cool, cool. But, uh, yeah, kind of funny. And, you know, the, the early tech, we were talking about the crappy early uh, that was on my first Mac, yeah. Stuff of uh, like hypocrisy album covers and all the glut of late 90s, like, yeah, kind of oh my gosh, you know. I remember like the first time we we actually Napalm Records you, every cover. Oh, god, well, you could speaking of boobs, I'm you know, I mean, just the, the late 90s, just everything that was so new about computers was was odd. Tit City, yeah. Well, remember when you first like ventured into that and you're like, wait, this stuff, you know, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, uh, moving on to Emperor, we've got uh, one more for you. And this is a song uh, I think a lot of you uh, folks out there have probably heard at one time or another. They usually close out most of their shows with it, don't they? I think they do. Um, at least I've still never seen them. I'll, most of their live DVDs they do. Yeah, the, I've, I've seen them twice, but for the life of me, I would Actually, be able the to live, tell you um, what is it, a double, double live disc, the reunion thing that Candlelight that was awesome. put out? It's really nice. Definitely a lot pick it up. better than the, the live record they put out back in like 2001 or 2002, which is a little muddy. Yeah, this is produced like impeccably. It's like them at their absolute zenith. And when I saw them both times, I mean, it was there was a lot of chaos happening. I mean, I mean, a lot of that stuff is only stuff you can do in a studio. Yeah. Unless you got a great sound guy, and most of the time when they come over here, it's some dude that could give two shits about. <laughs> yeah, hey, who are these guys? Emperor. All right, uh, I'll give you I'll the, the, the basic game. sound that I give uh, Razor and Anvil. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> file driver. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Marduk had that entire I could, I obedience could, EP. I can all file smell, driver covers. I can smell a whole, uh, you know, oddball Canadian thrash metal from the '80s show coming down the pike. Let's do it. Okay. Let's I don't do it. have much of Annihilator. It. I think Ooh, that yeah. Annihilator is one of yeah, they're, they're Annihilator. <laughs> but uh, I, if for those of you that have seen uh, Metal Headbangers Journey, this was uh, used very prominently when uh, Sam Nunn travels to Norway to discover black metal. Sam Dunn. Isn't it? Nunn? Dunn? Yeah, I think it's done. I don't know. I think I went to school with a guy named Sam Nunn. So. <laughs> <laughs> Two ends. But yeah. uh, anyways, Inna Satana, this was... Uh, this is my first favorite Emperor song. This is the one that like kind of grabbed me right away because mm-hmm. of just the the overwhelming saturation of keyboards that sort of happens, and it, it gave me. Well, they like played a, at a black metal football game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, make, it makes me feel. It gave me an uneasy feeling in a way. Yeah. Uh, because you know it felt like it was like a satanic choir like singing along. You know, it like made like dead evil and yeah. Satanism kind of like beautiful. You know, yeah. not not like Deicide or Slayer, where yeah. it was like you know 
scare your parents and yeah exactly yeah, Halloweenish or something yeah. like this so this was sort of like like a black mass or something like mm-hmm. that you know and i hadn't heard some of the old merciful fate and things where they're you know come come to the sabbath and you know, things like that <laughs> yeah. but uh very over the top some some very cool eerie chair uh kind of chanting vocals and and probably one of the most prominent you know uses of keyboards that, that anyone had ever heard in, in metal up until this point what a great ending to where it's just the keyboards like holding down for like you know 20 seconds or something well and i uh, I, I i compare it to the end of sergeant peppers when you know they hit 21 piano key you know 21 yeah. pianos all hit the same key at the same time and this resonance just sort of fades away but more evil yeah the, the sinister <laughs> version of it so but it's a uh, it's a great way a great uh, a way great way to sort of end the show as well and um we didn't really give a shout out but we should probably give a shout out to python for uh you know his production on this record you know i mean what he was able to capture the reverb the giving it the orchestral feel well, it's still like very he, grim and organic yeah and he wasn't i don't think he was well at the up until this point what did he produce uh he'd done some enslaved and some immortal stuff okay uh, you know greek holland so i mean i'm kind of glad that they had the limitations of analog yeah because otherwise this thing would sound too spit and polished. cold you know yeah. the digital coldness you know and stuff that, that wouldn't have had that that same sort of feel but uh definitely a memory uh it's definitely an album that even though emperor's not around officially as a band anymore you know i mean continues i think to have a pretty dramatic impact on on the way that people think of black metal today it's most likely it's in everybody's collection yeah it should it's one of those you know three or four black metal records that really should be if it's not it should be so (laughs) but uh yeah so we uh we hope maybe this wasn't a new experience for you but maybe you just enjoyed our thoughts and and laughed along with uh some of our memories and stuff of a record that's probably pretty near and dear yourselves but uh let us know i revisit it all the time yeah yeah so let us know what uh what your thoughts were and maybe you have a uh, a favorite emperor uh, what's your record? special emperor memory yeah let us know what's your favorite are you a are you a beyond the great vast forest kind of guy <laughs> or are you a i am the black wizards kind of gal yeah that's right yeah we can mark it like a whole christmas holiday like <laughs> package so oh my gosh anyways before we get in too much trouble or get too silly uh, i am uh jason and I'm Mark, and go to requiempodcast.com if you'd like to help us out on the show leave us a donation to help us with our operating costs or which is even nicer Go to iTunes and give us a great review or tell a friend about it. We'd love it. We would love it. So uh, enjoy in a... Ah, Satana. Hail Satan.